I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 86 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have a very funny, talented, and entertaining guest to bring you guys today. I will be joined by Josh Wolf, who will be here in just a minute. So please stick around for that interview. I would just like to take a second here to say thank you to all the listeners out there. First Class Fatherhood is continuing to crush the charts over on iTunes, and I owe that all to you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for all your feedback. It goes a long way to help me. And I would like to say welcome to all the new dads, new moms that are out there listening, maybe on Radio.com or whatever source you're listening to this podcast. I'm available on about 13 or 14 different sources at this moment. Uh, So I would like to say welcome. And I would like to encourage you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You could follow me on Twitter at Alec Lace, Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. And this way you can stay up to date with all the latest guests that I'm having on the podcast. And I can tell you this much, the guest list is growing and it's growing pretty quickly. So Hit me on Twitter, hit me on Instagram, drop me a DM, let me know what you think about the podcast, give me some suggestions on who you would like to see on the podcast, and I would like to stay in touch with you, so please find me on Twitter and Instagram and I will connect with you. And speaking about my guest list, uh, next week I'll be joined here on the podcast by Bedros Koulian, who has an awesome new book out titled Man Up, which I just got finished with, and I cannot wait for the opportunity to speak with him. And I really, I only have these opportunities to speak to all these guys because of you, so it's so cool to see a podcast about fatherhood topping the charts so uh, keep it locked in here because you're going to get a chance to hear about fatherhood from all aspects and from dads of all walks of life stay connected with me here fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here on the number one parenting podcast available anywhere all right so today's guest is a professional comedian josh wolf and speaking of comedy i have just locked in a date with kim and penn holderness Uh, The Holderness family are YouTube sensations. They do a lot of hilarious parodies to popular songs. I'm sure you've seen them. I can't wait to have a chance to chat with them. Uh, So that will be fun. So come on, keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. Right now, I'm going to smack you with a quick little spot, and then I'll be right back with comedian Josh Wolf. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father. He is also an actor, a writer, and he is a hilarious comedian with a new special out right now called Father of the Year. It is very cool that I get to say, Josh Wolf, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, man, how are you? All right, not too bad. Let's kick it off here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Well, I got three kids, man. Um, my story is a little, uh, a little different. I met a woman. Um, she had two kids. We had a kid together. I kicked her out, but I kept all the kids, her two kids and my kid. And so uh, I was a single dad for a little while. 
And uh, then I remarried. Well, I was never married, but then I married my wife. And uh, my kids are older. I actually have four grandkids, man. But my kids are now 26, uh, 20, well, 25 and 21. Wow, okay. Well, what type of uh, sports or activities were they into growing up? Well, you know, my oldest son was a really good soccer player. Uh, and he got older. He got into uh, music a little bit. Um, he's in the Army now. And my daughter was always into the arts growing up, and then she was always loved uh, animals. She worked at a vet's office. And my youngest son um, was the one who was biggest into sports. Uh, he had a baseball in his hand, I guess, since he was five years old. Um, and really could throw, like at 14, could throw harder. I played college baseball. At 14, he could throw harder than I could ever throw in my life. And then at around 15 years old, he just decided he wanted to stop, which was crazy. But then he went play basketball uh, and played uh, football, uh, and then ended up going to LSU for a couple semesters. Okay, very cool. Uh, did you ever get the opportunity to coach the kids, or did you kind of cheer them on from the sidelines? Oh, no, no, no. That was my favorite thing, man. Coaching kids, oh, I loved. I coached all of his teams until my road schedule got really crazy, probably when he was around. 11 or 12. Nope, probably around 12. But up until 12 years old, I coached everything. Every, I loved it, man. My favorite, though, is, uh, is, and I actually, there's an, actually, I wrote a book about being a single dad. It's, uh, and, but I, and, uh, there's a chapter in there called, Your Son is Not Derek Jeter. Because everybody who came out when I was coaching was like, what do you think, my thing, you think my son's got a shot? No, he's got zero shot. He's got zero shot. He's not playing high school baseball. Are you kidding me right now? It, it, it was crazy, the delusions that people had about their kids because, you know, he could hit a ball off the tee, you know? He's going to the pros. No, he's not. I wouldn't even let him watch a game. He's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I, I love coaching my kids. Uh, I try to keep it young uh, when they're at the younger ages. Once they get eight years and older, I kind of go back to the lower level and stick back to the four-year-olds where it's not, you know, where their parents aren't ready yet to sign them to a major league ball club. It's so bananas. And because I played college baseball, but I was under no, there was never any thought in my brain. Oh, I could play pros. You know, I was a pretty decent high school player. But there was never, my dad was never like, hey, you got a shot. Because he knew the difference between a good college player and and, though, and a good college player kills most good high school players. You know what I mean? Like, the difference is so amazing. You know. You, you, trust me, parents. You know when your kid is that good. If he's just a little better than everybody else, he's not. He's not playing professional baseball, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, did any of your kids follow in your footsteps into the uh, world of comedy, or are they pursuing a comedy career? Well, no, you know, my oldest son, since he was a kid, you know, he was always like, always liked to have the SWAT jacket on and, and so, you know, and, and always had a toy gun, and he ended up in the Army. He's in the Army right now. It's really funny, you know, if you look back, and my kids in particular, and I don't know if this had to do with the fact that both my wife and I pursued our dreams, but they all kind of, you know, my son always had that SWAT shirt on. He's in the Army. My daughter loves animals, always, always talked about animals and taking care of animals. She is at a vet, you know, works at a vet's office. 
And my youngest son, you know, he didn't want to do comedy, but he's always been on sets with me and my wife, and he wants to work behind the camera. It's, so it's interesting that they watched us follow our dreams, and that's exactly what they did. Awesome. All right. You're a professional comedian, so I'm very curious about this because I have four kids myself, and I love to clown around and horse around with them as all dads do or should. Um, do your kids, did your kids have a difficult time telling whether you're being serious or whether you're being funny? Did they know when they couldn't cross the line? How did that work? Oh, yeah, man. Look, they knew for sure when I was serious. I joked around a lot with them. My, I, my, if you're not playing practical jokes on your kids, I don't know what you're doing. Like I, my kids know that everything scaring is is on. Like if you if you go cavalierly around the corner and you're not preparing yourself to get scared, well you you don't remember what house you live in. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of joking and fun. I play a lot of practical jokes on my kids. They're all through my act. You know all, all the stories about stuff that I did to them. But they know when I'm serious. My theory, especially since I was a single parent when they were young. You know, my theory was be tougher on them when they're young so they know you, so they know you, uh, like, are truly saying what you believe and what you say is going to happen. So I was really tough on them when they were young. So when they got older, I didn't have to establish myself as the parent. You know what I mean? They knew what I meant, what I meant, what I said. So I didn't have to establish that when they got to be teenagers, and I could, we could really work through some of the other stuff that was happening as opposed to me having to establish myself as the parent when they got to be that age. Does that make sense? Yeah, well said. I agree. And I, and I pray for that type of honesty and that type of relationship with my kids as they become young adults. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, Josh, walk me through what were some of the difficulties or challenges of being a professional comedian while being a father? Well, you know, for me, the biggest was just, um, especially as the career started to take off, was not was missing things. You know, one thing about my dad, and I don't know how old you are, but, you know, I grew up in a generation where, you know, your, the fathers weren't that, they didn't emote that much. They weren't constantly telling the kids how much they love them and hugging them. But, you know, when I look back on it, my dad replaced that with the fact that he was always there. Every sporting event, every everything. He was there. And so that was important to me that to be there because I remember my dad being there. That was his the symbol. You know, I obviously went a little a couple steps above that because you know, we're a different generation and I show a lot more emotion and, 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 and stuff to my kids and it, I, and I'm and I play with them in a playful way a lot more. But I remember him being there, so that was important to me. So when my career started to take off and I started to miss things that was the hardest thing for me, to not be there, for them to look up and not see me was tough, you know. But the good thing is, is like, you know, my my kids have introduced me on stage, you know, they've gone and seen cool things, they go on the road with me sometimes, you know, all that stuff, is it, it replaces it. Yeah, awesome. I'm 38 years old right now. My father didn't have me until he was 50, so he came from a much different generation. And one thing I try to stress on the podcast often is that our view of moms has changed drastically since the 50s and the 60s, but most of the view we have of fathers kind of remains the same. We look at Pop like he's that idiot who can't navigate his way through a diaper change, and all he does is bring home the bacon, and that's really just not the case with most of the dads today. No, nothing bothers me more. And by the way, that, that, you know, that's why all those 
single dad TV shows never worked because they just show this idiot who doesn't know how to take powder out of a, you know, doesn't know how to powder a baby. Right. That's not it. Like, we definitely are different. My, my wife is for sure more maternal, you know, and more caring in a, in a way that I am not. But I'm not some bumbling idiot that doesn't know how to, you know, doesn't know how to care for a child. That's so dumb. It, you know, it's, it's, we definitely though, dads, I will say that I, I do, when I look back at it, treated my son and daughter differently. Like, when my son fell, I had a much more, hey, brush it off kind of attitude than I did with my daughter. And I don't know if that just came naturally, if that's just something that I, was just an instinct, or, I, or in my brain I wanted my son to be tougher than my daughter, which he didn't end up being. <laughs> 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 you know, my daughter. So, when they were at, when she was probably seven, he was probably four. And they were at one of those indoor playground gym things, you know? And um, I saw this older kid picking on my son. And I, I, my attitude was always like, law of the playground. As long as nobody's getting seriously injured, I would rather have him or her figure out the problem than have me go solve it for them. Because I'm not going to be on the playground every day, and I'm not going to follow them around their whole life. So they got to learn how to solve a problem without looking to me to have somebody stop picking on them, right? Now, I watch it to make sure nothing bad is going to happen. But if he's just – if the bigger kid is just trying to establish himself, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Let's see how he solves this problem. So my daughter walks up, and I see her just stand in front of the kid, in between the kid and my son. And the kid was bigger than my daughter, too, older. And uh, I'm just within earshot, and um, I see her go, are you picking on him? And he goes, what's it to you like that? What are you going to do? And she holds up her hand. just holds it up in the air. And this was such, she goes, you see this? And he looks up at the hand and he goes, yeah. And she just, bap, smacks him across her face. And she goes, he started to cry. And she goes, there's going to be a lot more of that if you keep picking on my brother. And the kid <laughs> walked away. And, I, and she was probably seven, man. The kid was probably nine or ten. And I was like, that's, that's my girl. That she took care of that. Like, my daughter was way tougher than either of my sons. Way tougher. That was just... And by the way, man, I know I've told parents that story before, and I've had people be like, that's not right. You should have stepped in. You shouldn't have had your daughter do that. And I'm like, you're 100% wrong. They solved the problem without me. She's stronger for what just happened. She's stronger. And my son saw that he can handle things without me there, and that kid learned, hey, I wouldn't pick on her. So everybody learned a good lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's one thing that's missing for kids today is there's so much structure, so much organization, and that the parents are involved in just about every aspect of kids' lives, and it kind of takes away that opportunity uh, for the kids to fail and to learn and to grow and to adapt to change. It, it's kind of like that bubble that they're being put in. Buddy, we are, we are taking their ability away to solve problems. Yes, I agree. I don't know how else to put that, except we are taking their ability away to solve problems. We're raising a generation of people who are constantly looking for other people to solve their problems. And it's when we when they get there, we have to stop bitching about that generation, this and this, because it's our damn fault. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, most of the dads that I've spoken with on the podcast are 100% against that philosophy of every kid should get a trophy. But that's not being projected onto the culture because we keep seeing the same thing over and over again despite our protests to these issues. It's a vocal minority, right? And so you, when the vocal minority speaks up, you don't want and tells you and shames you into thinking that you're a bad person because you want to be tougher on kids. Uh, like, I will tell you as somebody whose who's career as a stand-up, if you find a stand-up who's successful, the pyramid that your career, the base of that pyramid that your career is built on is built on failure, is built on learning from failing, is built on those tough times, is built on you learn more as a comic when you fail about what you shouldn't do and what this is not your lane and these aren't the jokes you tell. And I don't know what's the same for everybody else's career, but I can tell you right now in my career, if I hadn't failed, I would never have succeeded. So you learn so much more about yourself and what you're not supposed to do and how you should act by failing that to put your kids in situations where they never fail or never lose is detrimental again detrimental in order to truly learn how to be a good winner and how to truly succeed you've got to fail a gazillion times yes and i have heard that message now from everybody i mean i've been blessed to have some i had some navy seals on the podcast i've had some hall of fame nfl players on the podcast and they have that same opinion that it was their failures helped them the most to grow and to learn and to adapt and to move forward in life failure is such a a, it's such a weird thing to think of as your friend, but it really is. It really also, I'll tell you something else for me. You know how many, you know how many game consoles and, and handheld, you know how many Nintendo Game Boys I threw away, man? My son was nine years old. And I saw him playing with his Game Boy in the morning. And I go, hey, don't bring that to school. Remember, the teacher told you not to bring that to school. Because I had been told he brought it to school, and I didn't see him bring it to school. I go, don't bring that to school. Remember, if you bring it to school, there's going to be some problems. And he goes, no, I'm not going to bring it to school. I go, don't bring it to school. Remember, if you bring that to school, we get some problems. And he goes, yep. Like, see, so you, you're not bringing that, right? He goes, no. Left it at home. I go, okay. I knew he brought it. We got in the car after school. We're driving home. I go, how was school? Great. Didn't mention the Game Boy. How's everything going? Great. But how's the homework? Great. We did the whole the whole after school talk, which you know kids basically just say yes and no and don't really say anything that's happening. We're walking upstairs to the apartment. This is when we all lived in. I was making a thousand dollars a month, and me and the kids all lived in one room. And um, we're walking past the door where the trash chute is for the apartment complex. We go stop right here. And get, man, I was making a thousand dollars a month. You know how much a Game Boy was? That's expensive. And I go take that Game Boy out of your bag. And he goes, what? I go, take the Game Boy out of your bag. He goes, I don't have a Game Boy. I go, yeah, you did. This was in front of the other kids, too. They were younger than him. I go, yeah, you did. I go, put it down that trash chute right now. And he was like, what? I go, put the Game Boy down the trash chute. That might have been a birthday present or a holiday present. I forget. It was one of those two. I go, I'll go into the bag and get it. You need me to throw it out for you? But I told you, if you bring it to school, there's going to be some problems. This is the problem. And... He took that Game Boy out, and he was like, I'm not throwing it away. I go, yeah, you are. And I opened the trash chute. I go, you go put it right down there. I said, next birthday, maybe you'll listen. He put that Game Boy on that trash chute, man. 
And I made him throw it out. I made him throw it out. And that was a big expense for us. But when I tell you that at that age, from basically that age on, I didn't have to parent as hard. Not parent as hard, but discipline as hard. Because they all knew that when I said, hey, don't do this. I really don't want you to do this, but I'll follow through. I did. I threw away, I think I've thrown away two Game Boys and one game console. Because I told them I would if they kept doing it. And they wouldn't believe me. So I had to show them that I'd do it. Yeah, otherwise you're going to call your bluff. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. But I'll tell you something. As teenagers, now I know some people are listening, they're like, that's, that's so out of control. As teenagers, my wife and I didn't have to do the minutiae of, believe me when I tell you this is going to happen if you do this. We really get to tackle heavier issues because all of that little shit, they, my, my kids had already been, they were like, well, I'm not going to do that because I know that's going to happen. But the fact that I, that I did what I said, that both my wife and I did what we said, didn't make us these huge monsters now that they're older. They call us and ask advice about everything, dude. They're here all of the time. That we're, we are their friends now because we established respect and boundaries when they were young. It's the opposite, everybody. It's the opposite of what you're thinking. They, if they don't have respect for you as the authority figure, it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah, I think that's the best case scenario for any parent is to establish that relationship where honesty and trust are flowing freely and the kids feel comfortable to come with you with any issue and they don't feel ashamed and God forbid, you know, whatever the difficult issue is that they may be facing, that, that they're not afraid to approach you with it. No, 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 that's the thing. Like, you've established a level of trust. That's the thing. So I, I, we never said, hey, if you come to us, you're not going to get in trouble and then we double-cross them. There is a level of trust. And by the way, guys, say this. So much of parenting is, is luck. Your kid is born who your kid is. And I would tell you this. I'm so happy that and lucky that this form of discipline worked on my kids. I would tell you straight up, for some kids, you know, they need, some kids need it a lot more strict. You and I both know kids who if you were like, you gave them a talking to, they'd be like, I don't give a shit one thing you're saying to me. They would stare right at you like, none of this affects me at all. And some kids, all you got to do is raise, raise your voice. And they're so sensitive that that's just what works for them. Yeah, and I can tell you now from having four kids, each one of them requires a little bit of different finesse and a little different approach when it comes to parenting. Yes. Yeah, my youngest son, honestly, all you needed to do was raise your voice to him. In the fact that you were disappointed in him, crushed him. My oldest son, you can yell all you want. He would stare at you. You know when you see, do you have one of those kids that when you, when you yell at him, he just stares at you like a lizard, he doesn't even blink? Yes, I do. And many times uh, I'll realize halfway through this thing that I'm just putting on this whole performance for myself and, and nothing's getting through. He doesn't give a shit what you're saying to him. It's so amazing. But then other kids, you yell, and, and I always explain that to my kids. It's different for each one of you. You can't compare. It's different for each one of you. Yeah, and that's one thing as a parent that kind of helps you uh, to learn on the job and find different ways to apply different techniques and use some trial and error until you find a, you know, come up with a style that sticks. 
and don't try to be perfect because that parent does not exist, nor does that child, nor does that person. Yes, it's one thing I try to stress on the show is that uh, I'm not trying to be a better father than anyone other than the dad that I was yesterday. Because you can't be. Because you're different than other people, and other people's kids are, are different than your kids. So all you can try to do is do what's best for you in your house. I truly believe that. It took a long time for me to... You know the other thing that I really wish that I had known when my kids were younger? This one would have really been a game changer for me. And I didn't realize it until probably my youngest was around 9 or 10. But so important for people with kid kids, you know, 0 to 6. They learn more from what they see, what they observe than what you tell them. So any kind of lecture you're giving your four or five or three-year-old about what he shouldn't or she shouldn't be doing, even eight, nine, 10, 11, there are so many things about my kids are like, I didn't teach them that. They observe by watching you. So whatever you, however you tell them they're supposed to treat men or women, it doesn't matter what you tell them. They're going to watch your relationship. And if what you tell them doesn't jive up with what they watch, they are going to do what they watch because what they watch is much more plentiful than what you tell them. They are going to observe. So what? it doesn't matter how you're telling them they shouldn't act or shouldn't behave. If you're screaming merge, asshole, when they're in the back seat of the car, that's what they're going to do. So it's so important, especially as babies, zero to two. They're observing and they're cataloging that stuff. So when you watch your kids and you're like, well, they have the same tick as me. They kind of react to TV the same way I do. You didn't teach them that. They've observed it. Yeah, it goes back to the old saying, right? Actions speak louder than words. It's so important as a parent. Just remember, like, it's not it's your relationship with your wife or husband, right? That is what, that's how they're going to, they're going to observe it. And that's how they're going to behave. It's not what you're going to tell them with your eight or ten genius speeches Think about that. Think about the millions of talks your parents gave you. I don't remember one of them. I don't remember, but I remember watching my mom and dad do things, and those had an effect on me, right? But I don't remember the – you know how many speeches – you know, my dad would give me one of those big, long speeches in my room. When he walked out of the room, my first thought wasn't, that was smart. My first thought was, phew, I'm glad he's done talking. It just, it just sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. He'd go, wow. It just sounds like the entire time. That's what that sounded like. Yeah, and when he paused, you were wondering, is that it, or is, is he going to keep going here? Yeah, right. man. Are you done yet? Can I clap? Can you leave? <laughs> like, what's happening? Am I supposed to stand now? All right, Josh, I want to get to your new special here that's out now. Uh, you just dropped Father of the Year on us. What could you tell the listeners about the new special and where they can go find it? Guys, so Father of the Year is is a hour special, um, and it's on my website, ComedianJoshWolf.com. The premise of the special and you and did you you get a chance to watch it? I did, and it was hilarious. So the premise of the special guys is, look, and this it's all true stories about me and my kids, but the premise of the special is uh, this is what happened with me and my son and, and and I'm sure it's happened with every every dude, every dude looks at their dad as they're growing up, and they hit that age where they think to themselves, "Oh, I could beat the shit out of this guy." Right? You look at your dad at one point in time as a teenager when those hormones are raging through you and you think, 
oh, tell me to take out the trash again. Tell me to take out the trash again. And you fantasize about taking your dad down. And so this special is about my son feeling his oats and challenging me to a wrestling match in the front yard. And I remember that happening with my brothers and me. And so it's a whole hour storytelling special about, you know, him going what phases he was going through, you know, the wrestling match, me talking to my dad, other stories about my kids. I'm super proud of it because I start the special on one story and I end it on the same story. And uh, if you like uh, storytelling, if you like, it's, and it's not like this nice PG stories about my kids. It's a real story. If you like storytelling, if you're a father, uh, if you're a son, if you're a mother, you will get this special. It's called Father of the Year. Guys, I put it on my website because also, and it's only $5.00. I would really appreciate the support. I, out here in, in Hollywood and in everywhere around the country, I would just implore people, hey, start owning whatever you can. We've, we've, we've been giving money to rich people for too long. So that's why I'm doing this myself. Because, you know, when people do specials on these other big networks, they're just making these gazillionaires more money. So I was like, forget this. This is easy to access. It's like supporting a small business, guys, and that small business is me. That's why it's only $5. I didn't want to outprice anybody. But it's on ComedianJoshWolf.com. You click on that. You go to the bottom of the page. You click on it. It's yours for $5. And also, if you like the stories, um, I have more stories. I have a book out about being a single dad. It was a New York Times uh, bestseller that I wrote, put out a couple of years ago. It's called... Um, it takes balls, dating single moms, and other confessions from an unprepared single dad. Um, you can get that right now on Amazon or wherever. And uh, it's a good, quick read. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, guys, um, I really, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast, and I would really appreciate the support of the special. What did you like the storytelling aspect of it? I did. I love the storytelling. And I was just going to say, because being a father myself and my oldest now being 12, I'm just about to hit the phases of life that you break down in your special, especially the way you kick it off there with your son's kind of first conquest with a girl. And it got me thinking about my own youth and how much different things were. And that kid that used to have the uh, porno magazine in school, he was like the man and he was the guy that everyone wanted to be around and wanted to be his friend. And now today, all these kids have to do is Google naked woman and they've got about 40,000 pages to enjoy so um i've got three boys myself and i'm afraid i'm gonna have to walk through their room wearing a raincoat pretty soon you are it's so crazy you know wait for those long showers to start dude you know and i think this is in the special there's that story about i was walking into my son's room and he, he told me not to step on that sock yeah, there was definitely some moments in there where my wife cringed a bit. Uh, I watched this with my wife, and as I said, we're just about to hit some of these moments. So she was kind of, oh, God, don't tell me. Uh, but I highly recommend the special, and I'm going to include a link in the description of this podcast episode where you guys listening out there, all you got to do is tap the link, and it's going to bring you right to it where you can watch it. And, uh, I mean, if you're a dad or if you're a parent or you're about to be one, man, you've got to check this out because it, 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 is, it is awesome. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, the the story that starts the special with my son telling me about the, the – he was so proud of himself the first time he touched the boob and that he brought me out of my room and took me outside of the house to tell me the story. He was so – like the house was bugged or something. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want anyone to know. But it was so – but I'm telling you, 
that's the kind of stuff when you establish the trust of your kids, right? Yeah. He, he, he was like, he was psyched to tell me. Yeah, it's, it's really well done, Josh. I mean, it really makes you think about your own experiences with your parents growing up and now how you look at it as a parent. I mean, it comes full circle. I mean, it's a, you did a beautiful job with it. One thing that I was curious about before I started watching the special was because right now it seems like comedy is so watered down with political jokes. So I was kind of curious whether you were going to hit us over the head with some Trump bashing or some political jokes, but there wasn't. So I'm curious to ask you, what, what advice would you give to the young comedians that are starting out today? Should they try to avoid the political scene and the Trump jokes or should they bring it into their into their act yeah so for me for me you know from watching my special my special has no politics in it and no social issues and mostly because I really believe that social media podcasts it's gotten to the place where you're just talking into an echo chamber anyways so it, you're you're not changing people's minds so whatever your political beliefs and values are I truly believe that the only way to change and make change is to do it in person because online you're basically just yelling at strangers and that doesn't change anything. As a comic, I and I believe this to be with any art, if that's truly what you're passionate about and that's what you write your best material about, that's what you should do. But because it'll ring true. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Joey Diaz. No. Joey Diaz, Joey Diaz is a comic. He's filthy. But he didn't make it in Hollywood until he embraced that. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to be who I am. Because it's truth. It's honest. And nobody thinks of him as dirty because he's so honest about who he is that it doesn't really offend. Does that make sense? It's the people who are not real and who are not true, and when they seem dirty, it seems coarse and, like, aggressive because there's no truth behind what they're saying. You can tell it's shock value. If you're a guy like Bill Maher, you can tell that's what he's passionate about. If you're a guy like Steven Crowder, you can tell that's what he's passionate about, right? So I got yeah, no very problem. good, yeah. I got no problem with it. For me, if I started doing it, it would seem like grandstanding and soapboxing because it's not my thing. That's not my thing. So I would never, I never, I would never tell anybody what they should and shouldn't talk about on stage. I would just say, make sure that what you're talking about is what you believe. Yeah, so true. Just be passionate about what you're doing. Uh, okay, Josh, let me hit you with this. I love to ask all the dads that I get onto the podcast here. What type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about to be father that's out there listening? Relax. Put down the books. Guys, those baby books. All they do is put pressure on you and your kid because you're like, oh, why isn't he doing this? I remember when my son, we were in preschool, and this his, his friend, it was probably two and a half, wasn't talking, and the parent, like, he was just more physical than he was verbal. And the mom was going crazy. Why isn't he speaking? Everybody else is speaking. Why isn't he speaking? And I started like, telling her, hey, listen, relax. He's going to catch up. If he's 12 and he's not speaking the English, maybe you should go talk to somebody. But he's way more advanced physically. Relax, everybody. Relax. Just know that you're not going to be perfect because there's no such thing. But the most important thing you can do is love, love your kid, and let things happen. Don't make things happen. Let things happen naturally with your child. 
and it's going to be fine. Well said, man. Yeah, I love that message. Uh, I know myself because uh, I've seen it now with my kids. Once you have more than one kid, uh, you start to really see the differences in development. I mean, some walk early, some talk later. I mean, it happens. Everything happens at different stages and different ways. That's unique to each kid. Yes, and and I would say pay attention to what your kids do well. Pay attention, and even if that's not what you want them to do, pay attention to what they do well and and guide them towards that. Guys, my kids are all so different. My oldest son, and I'm not going to say where I lie on any of this because I'm happy that they are all so different. My oldest son is a staunch Republican who's in the Army, who believes in open carry, who's got four kids and he's married. My daughter, when she was 15 years old, told us that she was dating her best friend. And I was like, okay, I got no problem with that. And now she works in a vet's office and um, is actually is, lives with a guy and is engaged but ha- and went through whatever journey she needed to go through. My youngest son is just this free-flowing entity who is the best personality and just bounces from place to place and they're all so different because we all we i at a certain age stopped guiding them to what i wanted to be and just watched them flow to what they wanted to be awesome all right i'm gonna wrap it up here josh wolf thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on first class fatherhood buddy thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and i love this podcast man and and um I love that it, it gives dads a, a, a voice and a wide scope of different um, experiences. It's so important to hear them all, man. So thank you so much. All right. I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Josh Wolf for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And please bring it back here next week to First Class Fatherhood because I'm very excited about the guests I have lined up for you. I got a bunch of keynote speakers that are going to be joining me here on the podcast. First Class Fathers, as always. I will be joined by Chris Salem, Bedros Koulian, and Ted Rubin. So please, I encourage you guys to interact with me over on social media. Hit me up on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. And uh, that's all I got for you guys today. So please bring it back here. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.